This week's Major Spoilers Weekend After Dark Edition goes out to Armin Brewer, possibly best known for his portrayal of Quark through all nine seasons of Deep Space Nine. Rule of Acquisition number 171 says, this one goes out to you. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast... Rodrigo and I'm Stephen. You're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast. 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 The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad that you could join us on your Saturday or whenever you're listening to this show. Of course, hello, future people. Oh, I should point out that the person who donated this week, the the show that's dedicated, he's actually the one that composed uh, one of our one of our theme musics. I think it's our opening theme. music. Does he have the X-ray vision of Superman? No, he's the one that uh, does the Wednesday opening theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, pretty cool. Uh, How does that go? I don't remember. Is that the one where we're rapping? No, that's the Saturday show. <laughs> he does the, the major spoilers theme song. Yeah, yeah, he does the main major th- spoilers theme song. He did that a oh, couple years ago. You I know, love that song. And, you know, I, I really appreciate all the people that have sent in little clips and sound bites. If you guys want to continue to do that, that's fine. If you want to make up a new major spoilers theme song, we're fine with that as well. Send it in. If we like it, maybe it will become the new major spoilers theme song. Got a couple of topics that we that I want to discuss this week. And Matthew wants to discuss. I've <laughs> got a wants couple to of topics. I sleep on a love seat. There was a, um, there was some news that came out this week, and it's really a rumor, really. And mm-hmm. I don't, and people get these from little call sheets and little tear sheets and little spec uh, reports that float out of Hollywood. <laughs> little bed sheets. Yes, I'm sure that's probably where some of this sheets. comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little dingleberries hanging there. Uh, you know, there's a little, there's this little bit of, um, of news that perhaps after the Avengers is over, Perhaps the Inhumans might be the next movie property that Marvel Studios will take on. Mm-hmm. Now, there's already been word that, you know, after the Avengers, Marvel is going to kind of cut back, or maybe they're looking at doing some smaller films. But the idea of the Inhumans as a next Marvel movie, down the line, obviously, we're talking probably 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. How does that sit with people? Will it happen? Will it not happen? My thing was, I said that. Man, that's a that's a rough or a tough group to try to sell to theater goers. Mm-hmm. And Rodrigo, you said no, it's not. It's not no, not at all because a guy that know, can only whisper, a woman with he, dude, he can't even whisper. Uh, yeah, I mean, he destroy everything. He'll kill your he ass. Can't do anything. Woman, woman with lifelike hair. Uh huh. What? What? Why is that going to be easy to sell? Well, because um. You know, a, a guy with claws and a psychic girl and a guy who has a gun for a face right. were easy enough to sell. I mean, right. the powers themselves yeah. aren't an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the the issue is, and, and I think what people are dwelling on in, in, on the most, is the familiarity of it. Is mm-hmm. You know, uh, people don't know who the Inhumans are. People don't know anything about them. And, like, exactly. I think that's a, that's a strength to the franchise. Okay. You know, uh, yeah. people didn't know that Blade was a, yeah, Marvel, yeah, a Marvel character. character. Right. People didn't know that Blade and Spider-Man used to hang out, mm-hmm. but they still made a movie about Blade, and it did pretty well. In fact, it spawned a horrible sequel and a so-so sequel. <laughs> well, and, I, and from that point, I can understand. Yeah, we don't know anything about these characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's drop them in. But the minute that people see that this is from Marvel Studios, people are going to go, well, I've never heard of these characters before. But just likewise... Uh, what do we why got? Would, the uh, Jenny? What's the that? what's the alias uh, TV series that Marvel has uh, in the works? Uh, what's the girl's name? Jessica uh, Jones. Jessica Drew. Jones. Jessica Drew. Yeah, they've got that series on television coming. Jessica out. Jones. Uh, they've Jones. got um, uh, what's the other one that's kind of a, a obscure Cloak and Dagger mm-hmm. uh, that they're working on for a television series. So yeah, there could be this. Uh, you don't know about these characters. That's why we're telling you aspect of it. But I think there's the whole big space archy kind of thing almost new gods element to it that might be a little bit harder to sell as a as a concept to theater goers well and and from this from the sheet that that we saw this 
sheet right, this type terror bit. sheet sheet t- style sheet mm-hmm. um they're not going with the straight and humans right uh yeah. story they're they're basically taking the inhumans characters and making them these like sleepers mm-hmm. uh within the human populace which I, I don't know if that is one of the takes on the inhumans but it's certainly not the inhumans i know here's the uh, here's the here's the tear that we were told aliens were put on earth as sleeper cell aliens to eventually call back their race to take over the planet ultimately the group of aliens fully assimilates and don't want to cause war right it sounds like a number See. of titles hmm so, but that's the thing. Here's where it here's where it comes in that it could work because a nobody cares that Marvel Studios is behind a book. The only thing that you'll see in the trailer is that little Marvel thing in the corner. It's not going to be something where the general populace is going to say, "Oh, I want to follow that Marvel Studios because they put out this." Right. Now, the general popular could could give a rat's ass who made the movie. What this has going for it is strong characters with superhero overtones like Hancock and superhero overtones, but alien aspects as well. The Inhumans aren't superheroes. They've never been traditional superheroes. And even Crystal's run in Fantastic Four, it was clear that she is an alien presence. They are aliens, but the core Inhumans are an alien royal family. Mm -hmm. So you can do the whole court intrigue. You can have Black Bolt trying to gather his cousins together to f- stop Maximus from destroying the world. You know, you could play it like District 9. You could mm-hmm. play it like any number of successful things. And the title, The Inhumans, ain't gonna move any books. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to. The comic fans number maybe a 100,000 people right now. If 100,000 people go and see a movie on opening night, it is a huge, huge failure. What they're going to have to do is put a hook on this, make it something that is interesting. And I, you know, that whole sleeper cell alien thing, I could see that working as a movie. Well, and here's the I thing. I could see that coming together and doing something interesting. Here's the thing on how they could really kind of make it work into the grander scope of the Marvel Universe. We don't know what the Avengers movie is going to be about. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to bet it's going to follow that ultimate storyline to an extent mm. that has some kind of Kree scroll invasion. Mm. And this would be a perfect way, even though they're probably not in any way related. The scroll invasion, yeah. uh, you tie the Inhumans into that even briefly. Sure. And there you go. And that's how you, you tie the two okay. in. Very, I mean, just this very nudge at the end of the, uh, at the end of the credits of the Avengers movie. And suddenly you see this guy who doesn't talk. And his wife with the wicked hair saying, ah, so now we're next or something. Sure. You know, how do we deal with this? Or now we Can have I a say something problem. important, though? Sure, go ahead. There is no Marvel Universe in the movies. There never has been, and there never will be. And the reason why is that Tobey Maguire is too old to play Spider-Man, so they're rebooting the franchise. And halfway through the production of Iron Man 2, they booted um, What's-His-Face and brought in Don Cheadle with a whole new roadie. Right. And by the time the Avengers movie is made in 2015, Downey Jr. is going to be like 50 years old. There's going to come a point where we're going to have to reboot Iron Man, reboot Captain America. Captain America is the same actor who played the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four movie, which no longer happened. There is no Marvel Universe in the movies because there can't be. Movies can't do what comics do. Well, so all me, we're going to get are little continuity nods. Let me let me uh, let me kind of rip that apart from Refute. from the yeah from the PR perspective. Nope. Number one, yes, we do acknowledge that the Spider Man and Fantastic Four movies exist. However, they are not official Marvel Studios properties. They are owned by Paramount Pictures and they are owned by. Sony Entertainment, Fox, Sony or whoever. Uh, These, Iron Man and Thor and the new Incredible Hulk and um, uh, what's the next one? Captain America. Those are all in our Marvel universe. Okay? So that's how they could say, that's how they can refute that. Point number one. Point number two is in regards to casting. um, You can pick up an issue month after month. And you will see new artists come on board and their take on those characters. Yes, they may have a different, they may have similar features, but ultimately they are their own different people. So if we reboot with somebody else playing Iron Man in the future, 
uh, you know, it's just a different artist's interpretation. So those are two ways that we could, that they could, uh, put that in. So is there a Marvel universe? Yeah, there's actually, there's actually universe building going on within the Marvel Studios films. And if this is a Marvel Studios film. Well, that doesn't mean they're not trying though. Right. I mean, that's the thing. They are making a direct and absolutely overt uh, attempt at doing this. Mm -hmm. So there is a Marvel universe building in the Marvel Studios films. Are they doing it right? Maybe not. But they're doing it. I mean, you can't say that they're not. You can say that they're not being successful at it. But I don't think, for example, the changing... Don Cheadle for uh, the other guy for Don Cheadle, um, Terrence Howard. Yeah, yeah. For Don Cheadle, um, that's that's within the same franchise. That's with obviously they didn't say, "Oh, Rhodey wasn't there all along." Tonight, I mean, it's a part of well, Rhodey will be played by Don Cheadle, and that's and that's exactly what they did. They just changed actors, mm-hmm. um, which if you know if it comes down to it, they will. Uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr., once they run out of Rogaine, they will just cast <laughs> someone else if they want to keep the same universe. And they will say, you know what, you guys, this is the same universe. Will that be successful? Maybe not. The only reason why... But it's, it's they're definitely, they're definitely making an attempt at doing it. And right. it's, it's a, it's a marketing move that is, mm-hmm. I think, pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really the only real i think solid kick to the shins that they can give to dc mm-hmm. as far as movies at this point and mm-hmm. that marvel has at least to a certain degree gotten their shit together as far as having a marvel universe in the movies whereas dc hasn't quite managed to find a foothold there i, I guarantee you though matthew if sony had lost the rights to spider-man because they didn't make this new movie that marvel would have said okay it's now back to us we will. They would have done another reboot to it, but then it would have been inside that Marvel universe, and you would certainly see references to Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Captain America, and some oh. others in that in that uh, in, in this franchises that they have going on now. To finally summate my point, and then to say we will agree to disagree. No, that's fine. Both of you have said said that they're trying. That this is the intention. My point is not that they are not trying. My point is. They cannot do what they want to do within the framework of movies every three years because by the time they get to this Avengers movie that is building from that continuity, they've already got a new Hulk in play. They've already got, you know, a franchise that's going to have to be rebooted. By the time this Avengers movie comes out, it's literally going to be time for another reboot of the franchise because of the ways movies work. You can't have a Daredevil movie end with a cliffhanger and pick up two years later with a Silver Surfer movie that resolves that cliffhanger. You're not going to have a real shared universe. You'll have the characters interacting, but it's not going to be a Marvel universe the way that I describe a comic book universe. And I think that to try and expect that is what's going to make a lot of us fanboys very disappointed with what these movies actually become. Sure. Uh, you so know, I think I've, that going and expecting the Inhumans to build organically out sure. of the Avengers, right? we might get a post-credit scene like we did mm-hmm. with, you know, the shield, but that shield is nothing more than, you know, a visual, a visual cue, a reference. It's the equivalent of one of my weekly opens, you know, taking a line from Firesign Theater. It's it's not a fire science theater movie necessarily. So right. again, I think we're on the same page, even though I'm right. <laughs> I, I would say the only problem with your whole argument, Matthew, is we haven't seen the other movies. We've seen two Iron Man movies, and we've seen a Hulk movie that did kind of attempt to tie in those three. But we haven't seen Thor. We haven't seen Captain America. And we certainly haven't seen the Avengers. So, hey, this is the internet. I'm allowed to hate things sight unseen. It's, right, but it's law two of the internet. So when Rodrigo and I one, say they're sucks. trying, Rule two, even if you didn't yeah. see it. when we say they're trying and they're attempting to do some universe building, we haven't seen that I, the big picture yet. And I think I think that in Thor, just by having, I mean, and and maybe maybe the the previews make him seem more prominent, but right. they have that Shield agent from Iron mm-hmm. Man mm-hmm. in Thor, and I think. Thor and then the Avengers after that are, yeah. are really going we're, we're really going to see whether they can pull it off or not and the only other thing that I would say Matthew is James Bond oh don't even start <laughs> James Bond James Bond what it, no <laughs> Stephen 
You just you just built my point for me. Thank you. You, thank you. you really did. I'm I'm just gonna no. I'm just gonna take a take a walk that way because you did really just shoot our point in the foot, Stephen. No, because uh, no, this is specifically about casting new actors. You're not rebooting the franchise each time Roger Moore steps in or Sean Connery steps in. Yes, you are. No, because we are now yes, up to the 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 next James Bond movie is James Bond thirty. Okay, right. All of these other movies are part of that continuation. It's not. Hey, James Bond, the reboot, with the exception of, and not really with the exception of, Casino Royale, which went back to the first book, but they're not saying this is the first appearance of James Bond in this universe. They're no. just putting yes, it they they, no, they they have to, You have to totally reboot the universe because all of a sudden it's 1980. He's just an and ongoing, an ongoing James Bond. That, that can't be true. He would be 90 years old. And he's he not. Was 40 he is clearly in not. <laughs> fighting Doctor. No. I say that. And replacing, they said in this first Daniel James Craig movie, this is a clear reboot, and it's the first appearance of James Bond. They made right. this well, point. Then James everything before explicitly. that. Everything before that then is all. In they also made that England. point in everything, the first Timothy Dalton Bond movie. Yeah, everything no. before that happens after Casino Royale. Before self, you know, is like. Cell phones were invented, then right. disappeared from existence. Right. Well, my point is, you're 30 <laughs> movies in, and they haven't they haven't said, "Hey, this is new James Bond number one," like they're doing with Spider Man the reboot yep. or anything like that. So we can have but you can have other have... actors play these parts. Okay, that's my point. Is you can have mm-hmm. other actors play. They've these actually parts, made and the and you same don't have movie to more reboot, than once with different actors. You don't have to reboot the entire universe just because you have another actor stepping into the part. Okay, that's my point. That's and a James good point. Bond is a, is I would a good I would not use James Bond as okay. an example. Though. All right, I will. Ex- so I will accept that argument, but not about James Bond. Okay, yeah. fine. Then in the Inhumans, if we're not going to tie that into the Marvel quote unquote universe, maybe it'll just be a standalone. Maybe it'll work great as a standalone. I mean, we've seen a lot. Uh, it would probably work guess, better as a standalone. I guess my problem is there's a lot of there's there appears to be a glut of. Uh, alien invasion, aliens among us movies at this time, from my perspective. And then there always has been some alien movie out there. I think people are going to get to this and they're going to go, oh, another alien movie. I think it's like everything. I think, like, you know, you look at uh, the assassination of Jesse James. Mm-hmm. That's a Western, right? Right. But it's nothing like The Magnificent Seven. Right. It's just something that has cowboys in it. Mm-hmm. I think that aliens yeah. basically work the same way. You can have aliens come to kill you. Right. You can have a hilarious road trip movie in which one of the buddies is an alien. You can have an alien live in your house and be the same thing as Family Guy over and over, season <laughs> after season. Yep. You know, there's there's a lot of stuck yep. to aliens. Right. And you can, you can yeah. play aliens almost in any way you want. So... The next question Close then Encounters is, is an alien movie. Right. Sure E.T. Is. is an alien movie. Right. Independence Day is an alien movie. And Superman, the original take, is an alien movie. These four films have very little in common. So, I mean, it's not... I don't think that the alien trope itself is going to make a movie not play. And I don't think that, you know, the Inhumans... I think the Inhumans not being known as a comic property will actually help. Because as you're fond of pointing out, I think the public is starting to think that Someone thinks that the comic movies are starting to fail, mm-hmm. and thus that self-fulfilling prophecy of I don't want to mm-hmm. see a comic movie is coming around. Right. But I think that it, the thing that's going to work for me if they pull this off is, are they going to be able to take these characters and make them relatable to me? You know, can you... Can you make Medusa the mouthpiece for Black Bolt and make it work? Or do you have to create a new character... And do you have to bring in Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson, you know, to try and tie it into a Marvel universe? I think you'd be doing your, I think you'd be doing your movie a disservice mm-hmm. because you're not playing to the strengths of what that character is about. If there's an alien invasion in a world where Thor and Iron Man and Captain America exist, don't we owe it to somebody to have Thor and Iron Man and Captain America come and kick them right in the face? So I don't know. I, I still think it, it, it could play. But I don't know that the comic fans are going to be any type of, you know, draw for I, the filmmakers. You know, you could still put it in the Marvel Universe and treat it like Runaways. Put them on the West Coast. Sure. Know. I mean, there there are ways to yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah. There's, so, there's always the, the giant space threat that everybody has to go take care of. The question, though, or is... Or have sex. Yeah, with. like Ultimatum. 
if they're going to do <laughs> in humans, mm-hmm. what other comic book properties are out there that are begging to be adapted into movies? Rodrigo? The Justice League? Um, I think the Justice League, there's a reason why, despite the fact that there is so much uh, pop culture stock in the Justice League that hasn't mm-hmm. been made, and that's because there's no easy way to approach it. Right. You know, do you make it an origin story? Then you need between five and seven origin stories right, simultaneously. Right. right. And as we've seen, sometimes, sometimes a, a movie being just having the origin story within the movie takes up the whole movie mm-hmm. um so can you really have all those characters with origin stories if not how weird is it to jump into you know a, a movie where people don't know who well up until recently don't know who green lantern is yeah. don't actually really know anything about aquaman don't know mm-hmm. certainly don't know who the martian manhunter is I-, I have a question though do you think that because of the 70s tv series and the 80s TV series and yes. the 92,000 series that it would be easier to jump right into a Justice League movie without having to tell an origin story? Or I, not? Think it, I think it would be harder. One of the main complaints that people had about yeah. the Hulk, about the first Hulk movie, uh, not the first Hulk movie, the, right. the uh, Eric Bana right. uh, the, Hulk uh, movie. Ang Lee. Ang Lee. The Ang Lee movie. Yeah. movie. Um, was that it was absolutely nothing like the Hulk TV show. Right. Which is the only Hulk that the majority of the population was familiar right. with. Right. So half the time that yep. ends up hurting you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gives you that initial push to get the movie made. Mm-hmm. But after that, you're actually working against it for the story you want to tell, unless it is like that. And obviously, you can't have a Justice League movie that is exactly like the uh, Linda Carter Wonder Woman and also exactly like the Christopher Reeves. Right. Uh, Reeve? Reeves. Uh, I always get him mixed up george um, reeves christopher reeve right like the the first one is plural like the 70s superman right 70s right, right. and 80s superman right the other i think the other one that you're pointing over my shoulder and i was just trying to think what was over my head atomic robo yes and that's the one that you think is begging for a movie i i, I think it's it's kind of crazy that cowboys versus aliens is or cowboys and aliens is mm-hmm. getting made mm-hmm. but atomic robo isn't I, i'm just curious i i really need to get those guys back on the show clevenger and wegner to, to mm-hmm. talk about what their grand scheme of Atomic Robo is, because right now they seem very satisfied in putting out their comic book and getting a, a following. But my gosh, uh, I don't know, Matthew. Do you think Atomic Robo would fly as a motion picture? Um, I think it would fly up to a point. I think it would probably fly better, and it would probably become a cult type film because there's so much going on there. There's you know Edison and Tesla, and there's time traveling Lincoln and you know, as great no, as that sequence book. where, uh, <laughs> oh, my bad. As great as that sequence where four different time-tossed robos is for, you know, the experienced comic book reader at the end of that series that I love so much. Right. That's going to be really hard to play off in movie form. So I See, would think the that thing he, is, though, he, I think it could work. That's, I think that's it's a your, strong property. The thing is, though, too, that's your third movie. Right. That's the third volume of Atomic Robo. Right. So the first one is... You know, it does have a lot of time jumping back mm-hmm. and forward, but it's like what we've seen with Benjamin Button. Mm-hmm. It's what we've seen with, you know, uh, any awesome movie where you write a letter and somehow it goes to the past or Twilight <laughs> Zone episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's rather difficult to think up some uh, movies' properties on the fly, but I think Atomic Robo might be able to work as a smaller film. And that's one mm-hmm. thing that... Uh, people should keep in mind too is that we're not talking about making a giant tentpole film like the like the avengers is a giant tentpole film where the success of that film is going to make or break the studio and also fund smaller films i really like the idea of taking some of these properties whatever they may be i mean you can kind of see what they're doing with the new red riding hood movie is not necessarily a direct take on what Grim Fairy Tales has done in their comic book series, but you're, they're making these tales a little bit more adult, maybe maybe more along the lines of the original source mm-hmm. um, material. Um, but I think don't make it a big deal out of some of these. Make them smaller. Right? Let's see an Ant-Man movie and see if they can do that right. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a, of a lock and key as being turned into a TV series. It would right. be really hard to make that into a, into a movie franchise. Uh, what else is a big favorite of mine? I wouldn't what mind is? seeing. I don't think it could be made into a movie in the way that those books are played out because it's so intense of what's going on in those locking keys that it really needs to be a TV series. 
I think uh, saltwater taffy would yeah. be an excellent uh, kids movie. Right. You know, I just that's like a win-win right there. Uh, but it doesn't need to be the studio's big picture. Matthew, do you have any titles off the top of your head that you think would ideally suit themselves to be turned into movie property? Yeah. I I can name one from each of the big four. Go listen to Tuesday's show to see who they are. Okay. Um, for, or or for just listen Marvel? for the next five minutes. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. For Marvel, I would love to see Runaways. Uh-huh. Because I think Runaways would play really well as a movie. They're superheroes, but they're not superheroes. And they have, uh, you know, cool code names and powers, and they have a thing, but they're also, you know, evil parents. Parents are evil. Ah, my parents are evil. I would love to see that translated, especially if you did it with, like, you know, actual age-appropriate teens. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And at that point, you'd kill yourself because you couldn't do a sequel. Or at least you couldn't do a sequel easily. But, you know, I would like to see that. Um, DC, what I really want to see, what I've always wanted to see, uh, going back to my childhood, watching, you know, uh, Lou Schemer's rotating credit in the mornings, I want to see Captain, Captain F-Word Marvel. I want to oh, see, okay. I want to see Billy Batson and the, you know, the, the powers of the yeah. seven lady truckers or right. the seven strangers who get together and, and find out what it's like to be polite. I want to see that on film and I want to see that done well, but I don't want to see a dark and gritty Batman, Captain Marvel. I want to see Captain Marvel where it is a kid's perspective where it's like, mm -hmm. it's like the best parts of those 1944 stories where, you know, Captain Marvel is this fun, jovial presence and things happen around him and whack jobs come at him, but they're not trying to cut him up with a chainsaw that, you know, they're, they're trying to shoot him with a shrink ray mm -hmm. or to steal his costume. You know, I want to see something really entertaining going on there. Okay. And my image book that I want to see, I want to see Savage Dragon as a straightforward, gritty cop movie in a world where there are hundreds of thousands in a world where supervillains run amok. One man punches them in the nuts. Because that is the one, the lone property for me that really screams out. I mean, hell, that would be an ongoing series. Mm -hmm. You do a grim and gritty cop show, like a police procedural, and the central character is Officer Dragon of the Chicago PD. Right. Hell yeah, I read that. You know, that would be a really good, uh, kind of a Walking Dead ongoing series for me. I think. Right. But not. But as a and movie, then, you uh, you would uh, see that as a movie. You would see that as a movie. I can see that in a series. Oh, you're really breaking up there, Matthew. Takes down the pistol. So the Savage Dragon okay. you would really want to see turned into a movie property or a television property? I would I would love to see it as a movie property. I think it would play as either a movie or a television property. Mm -hmm. But you take that first film, he fights the vicious circle, and the vicious circle is taken down. And you can take it anywhere from there. You can do, you know, the trapped in the past arc. You can do the vicious circle returns. You could do a three movie set of Savage Dragon films. And that last movie would be the one that tells you his origin. And, you know, he's really an alien from planet xenophobia or whatever it is. You know, I think that is a strong visual property that would fly. Mm -hmm. And it wouldn't be that hard to make, you know, just a green skinned guy with a fin on his head. Right. And by, by the same token, uh, Dark Horse used to have a property called Concrete. Right. They're coming out with an omnibus collection of that soon. And I think we'll be reviewing it in coming months. I, I think we should, because I would love to see Concrete as a movie, because Concrete is all about. What happens when you're sort of kind of a superhero, but there's no superhero threats, there's no supervillains, there's no big, iconic superhero moments to be had. Mm -hmm. So now you're this monster with super strength. How do you get by? What do you do? You know, how do you interact with other humans when you're a 7,000 pound concrete thing? Yeah. You know, all of this stuff, that, that's a very, a very, evocative and a very sophisticated take on it and, and you know it would be kind of like hancock without the slapstick in a lot mm -hmm. of ways you could do mm -hmm. a really strong piece about what it means to be a human being 
even if you're just a brain in this alien body. So, Do all these adaptations that we're talking about, do they need to be live action, Rodrigo? Um, not all of them. Uh, definitely, um, well, for example, another one that I think would be great would be Mouse Guard. Right. Obviously, you couldn't do that really live action, right? Um, unless somehow they perfected the peanut butter technology from uh, Mr. Ed <laughs> well, and applied seen, it to uh, mice. Uh, what is it? Uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua Two. Uh, Those dogs are talking like there's nobody's business, right? <laughs> um, G Force was live action with talking, talking uh, guinea pigs. I guess that's true, but um, well, I would say it was probably about ten percent live action guinea pigs, <laughs> and then a lot of the other stuff CG, was CG. Yeah. Um, then again, I didn't see the movie on account of self-respect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, oh, you don't have that. Uh, clearly not. Um, but no, they don't have to be live action, but there's, there's, there's strength to a live action movie. Right. If, and, and that's the thing is the bigger the gamble, the more the potential payoff. Right. You know? So if you do... A, an atomic robo anim like full length animated movie right would be totally awesome mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the same pow to it right. than if you do i'm sorry that's a different company it doesn't have uh, the same red five to it if you if you do a live action where you see this mechanical man interacting with actual people right. it's like you know it's like you know everybody Poo poos on on the uh, Star Wars prequels, mm -hmm. but not that many people <laughs> literally uh, even poo poo that uh, the Clone Wars movie mm -hmm. because I think most people don't even really see it as a Star right. Wars movie. They don't there's, really even think about it. You know, there's a lot of people who haven't seen the Star Wars Clone Wars television series, yeah, and then they find because they're like, ah, it's just a cartoon series that doesn't it's not related in any way to the franchise, and then they sit down and watch it and they're like, holy crap, yeah, it's actually pretty decent yeah. and. Uh, and that that partially comes from the fact that it's not live action. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. you know, e even just because you're used to that, you know, a a a full like a full length Superman cartoon movie mm -hmm. would be awesome. Mm -hmm. But now it's so muddied because you have all these different takes on Superman. You have right. all the stuff that Bruce Tim and uh, and the Paul Warner Dini. Brothers animations yeah. guys have done right, um, and obviously it would probably be them who did a, a Superman cartoon. But you know, how close would you have it? Would people scream if Kevin Conroy didn't voice Batman, who just has to be in everything Superman does? Yeah, um, you know, like now the 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 properties is pretty muddied. Whereas if they made a new live action Superman, you would only have the live action implications to deal with. Right. But even then, that property is even then pretty muddied. Right. Right. Okay. Um, any other properties that you think that absolutely should be turned into a movie that are just screaming to beg to be turned into something awesome? And again, we're talking movies. I, th I think in the past we've talked like Cadillacs and Dinosaurs would make an right, excellent right. TV series. Um, um, I think Next Wave would make a great movie. Uh, yes. Oh, because yes. because there's there's you know they they made superhero movie right the the, right. the parody right. uh, one which didn't really have all that much superheroing stuff in it mm -hmm. or it's like disaster movie was mostly about pirates of the Caribbean right right but uh, next wave is is a, a a dig at superhero stories while still maintaining what while still being above the water as far as a parody while not sure. completely reverting to to slapstick you could make that movie just change some of the characters like the supporting characters that are actual marvel universe characters right but you could have you know uh what's her name jessica is it jessica rumbo uh i forget her first name but you know captain marvel on and monica off and, and monica rambo um you know boom boom the captain or Yes, the captain and, and all the characters who are not major players in the Marvel Universe, not even call it a Marvel movie. Right. And see how it goes. Right. Kind of like the Inhumans. Kind of like the, in, kind of like what I, you know, what I've been suggesting right. they do with the Inhumans and what they did with Blade. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew, though, wanted to kind of switch that around and say what properties should absolutely not yep. be turned into uh, a movie. Matthew, why yeah. don't you start off since this is your, uh, your idea? Well, yeah. This week. I finally watched the movie that I got for my birthday. 
And it was a little movie called Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Right. Which was based on a series that I really, 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 really enjoyed. And I watched it and I was like, wow, this is technically awesome. And look at that fight scene. That was cool. And I really liked this. And it was really funny when Jason Lee exploded, even though it wasn't Jason Lee and he didn't really explode. (laughs) And as I went through, I started having a problem with the adaptation because Ramona in the comics was given more time to develop as, you know, a complicated but interesting character that we believed Scott would have a thing for. Sure. And in the movie, she became more and more a manic pixie dream girl to the point where when he came to fight for her and one of the characters went, why are you fighting for her? I went, yeah, why? And I got to the end of that movie and I just, I, I loved everything up to the point where the big fight ends and the movie, you know, takes off into that new direction. I hated the way it ended. And then I went and I watched the alternate ending. And I don't want to, you know, spoiler it, but the alternate ending has him in a completely different situation with a completely different girl than the story that I read. So did he end up with knives? And in I the started alternate thinking ending? in the alternate ending, he ends up with yeah. knives. Because when you watch that movie, and it gets to that point in the movie where it's like, yeah, you know what? Knives and Scott actually are really, really compatible with right. one another, and that's the direction it should go. And instead, yeah. they gave us the swerve comic book ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I did not like either ending because <laughs> they didn't have time to develop what I really liked about Ramona. And when we got to the end, both endings felt like a cheat. Hmm. Okay. So I started thinking, you know, maybe Scott Pilgrim, it was a good film, but it wasn't really an adaptation of what we read. It was more of an extrapolation and Scott Pilgrim, as I read it was kind of almost unfilmable. And then I started thinking about this, you know, as we're talking during the first portion, most of the stories that I believe are unfilmable have already been made into movies. Uh, Hellblazer, uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen, to some degree, Watchmen probably in my mind, never should have been made into a movie. And, you know, you can make a lot of big arguments, but the biggest one for me, we've already mentioned, the the character set, the property, the title that should not, could not, to me, be made into a movie is the Justice League of America. Mm -hmm. Because there's so much baggage with all of those characters. Really, the only real high-profile common man's Justice League of America is the Super Friends. So people think of that, and you put Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Aquaman together, people are going to want to see Xan and Jaina and Gleek the monkey. I want to see Wendy and Marvin. Well, and Wonder Dog. That's because you're old. But even when you take and you break it down, people know what Superman does, and people know what Batman does. And to some degree, people know what Superman and Batman do, even though there's never really been a live-action movie adaptation of the two of them together. But then you add Wonder Woman, and then you add Aquaman, who has his own thing. You know, like Rodrigo said, Green Lantern's going to have his own thing. Theoretically, there's supposed to be a Flash movie coming out that may have its own thing. You can't do a Core 7 Justice League movie because of the baggage. But if you do a a non-Core 7 Justice League movie, if you do a Justice League Detroit or a Justice League International movie... The backlash will be huge. People will be like, well, what's this Justice League with no Superman? It'll be like every Justice League issue one in the last 45 years, only twice as loud. And with people who don't even understand what Superman is about. There is no way in hell, in my mind, you could do one single JLA movie and have it actually work as a JLA movie. Because of the way movies are structured and because of the fact that you'd be looking at seven characters with diverse origins, they'd probably end up giving them all one origin. Clark Kent's rocket crashes to Earth. Abin Sur follows it. It lands on Paradise Island, and on the way, it passes through the Ark of Mars and somehow irradiates a chunk of both Blue Valley, Nebraska, and the Atlantic Ocean and causes Hal Jordan to uh, pick up this ring that he found in the wreckage of a Kryptonian ship on Paradise Island. Would that suck? 
Um, yeah, there's I, ways you could make it work, but it wouldn't be realistic. I, to the, I think you know, it was. I, I think, think it was would. pretty convincing in yeah, Ultimate was. Power. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, written by J. Michael Straczynski, yeah. who actually has uh, film credits. Yeah, I um, I would probably suggest if you were going to do a Justice League movie, that you would do the very first yeah. Justice League book. Meeting. Yeah, the meeting where you've got the league's already formed, Starro's coming to invade, and both Superman and Batman are just like. Call me if this is really important. <laughs> and Superman's like, I'm sorry, I'm out in space punching meteors. Maybe and you're fine. Please Maybe press one fine. to leave a message. And, and he press Andy two Sandberg to report Superman. And that's how, and that's, and then you just focus on punching meteors Flash, and Wonder Woman, and Aquaman, <laughs> Martian Manhunter. And, and Andy uh, Sam, if you're going to do that, though, your Batman has to be Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Hey, I'm Batman. No, uh, I like being like being Batman. Call me when this is really important. I honestly, <laughs> I, I've 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 mentioned it before, but I, I do think I, I and you know Matthew was was kind of thumbing his nose at it, but the way to write the Justice League movie is to make it Ultimate Power without the without the nasty, yeah. without without the 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 evilness but, to it, right? You know, right? right. Is to isn't, actually isn't just the same as smush Steven's... the DC universe together. And and make that movie. Isn't that the and same I as Stephen's thing of Superman shouldn't fly, though? I mean, aren't you making fundamental changes to the nature of all those characters? And these are characters that people would know. Well, let me you ask know, you Batman's this, Matthew. Batman's parents getting killed in Crime Alley by, by a, a, a piece of kryptonite that flew off of Superman's plane, you know? Well, uh, let, let me ask you this uh, and, and, uh, as an illustration. All right. Is... is um, is Pa Kent dead? Does Pa Kent die in the Superman storyline? Depends on which Superman well, storyline you you're talking about. That's a difficult thing to say because, in my mind, Pa Kent has always been dead. Pa Kent died pa in Kent the Silver is Age. Dead and- to me. That's right. Yeah, Even back when he was alive, buy. he was such a schmuck. When he sold the farm and opened the grocery store, he was dead to me. Well, and and that's stop mocking uh, my people. That's that's <laughs> what I'm, and 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 this this is the point that I'm trying to make here. To a person, it's very important as to whether your father died or not. Right, right. In the grand right. scheme of things, for Superman, it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if his dad is dead or alive. Why? Because Superman is actually not about daddy issues. Does it matter where the Flash got his powers? Clearly not, because at first it was science, and now it's basically magic. And people and you know fans of the Flash went, okay. So no, it doesn't actually matter. You can make those fundamental changes because you're not you're actually not changing their powers, which is the important thing about superheroes. Mm-hmm. You're not changing their personalities, which is the second most important thing about superheroes. Changing where they come from is really not that big a deal. Look at Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was Wonder Woman's mom for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, and and people just kind of rolled with it and most people didn't even notice because it actually kind of doesn't matter. Rodrigo, is there a property that you would not want to see turned into? See, I I used to think they can never do Watchmen, but they did Watchmen and they did it okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe it wasn't the the grand, uh, you know, alien in the. Well, forget the the fact that they changed the ending. I think the changing of the ending was actually, but you know, it doesn't have it doesn't have a lot of those small moments that make right. Watchmen really so good, right? And you know, some of the characters is like, well, that's not the character who said that. That changes what it all means in the end. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It was still done pretty well. So, I, you know, I would have to say no. I think every property has the potential of being a decent movie. It, to the point where there's some terrible comic books out there that if they just gutted them and put them on there, they would probably make a pretty decent movie. I would, I would probably agree with you to the point as as long as they're like you said uh powers and character are two mm-hmm. things if they can capture that in a movie would it matter if savage dragon was in louisiana as opposed to chicago you know to um, savage dragon fans it would yeah you know maybe there is and 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 again that personality there's something about savage is there something about savage dragon that just screams chicago or wherever the crap he's right, from right right maybe 
maybe if you if I had ever actually read two issues <laughs> of Savage Dragon, um, I would know this. So that's that's definitely something important to uh-huh. look at. But you know, they they turned Gotham City into Chicago, right? And people went, "Oh, that's weird," yeah, and yeah. then moved on because right, right, right. it it actually doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I um. I'm kind of agree with you. I I think that there are a lot of almost any comic book you could turn into a movie. Now, whether they will do it the right way and tell a compelling story and get people interested, even if it's wildly divergent from the source material, uh, I think that would be a successful adaptation. Um, I I have a question that kind of spins off from this, and I was thinking about this over the weekend because G4 ran the first three Superman movies on, on the cable network. And I was watching, and it's been such a long time since I've seen the first Superman movie. Uh, but I started watching the credits, and it's like, okay, here you've got Mario Puzo, the writer of The Godfather, mm-hmm. the Godfather books. Uh, you've got um, uh, da, 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 uh, Richard Donner directing it. A lot of people credit him as a great director. Right. You've got Marlon Brando in it. Uh, Gene Hackman, who was a huge star mm-hmm. in the 70s. Christopher Reeve, this up-and-coming, good-looking guy. you got Jackie Cooper, one of the original Little Rascals who was in this movie. Glenn Ford is in this movie, Mm -hmm. of all people. I mean, the great Glenn Ford. Ned Beatty, who was, you have to look and see when uh, Deliverance was, but it's around the same time. I mean, here are big names, big things uh, uh, happening in this this movie. Um, uh, I'm trying to think if there's some other big names that people would have recognized in the 70s as big names suddenly appearing in this Superman movie is the 1978. I mean, here you've got all these awesome talents. Does this make the Superman 78 version an awesome movie? (laughs) Is this an awesome movie? Or maybe as I was watching it going, why did this really kind of fail as a movie? Did it fail though? Well, no, I mean, it was a success. I mean, it was a huge success and a lot of people saw it, but Putting myself in 78 perspective, which uh-huh. is what I try to do when watching these things oh, and looking at Steven, things that you don't, you don't need to tell us that, right, but, you but, know, what your dealer and you yeah, do yeah. In, in the, but to, you know, put it into that time frame, not looking at it like we were, we've talked about before how kids these days don't appreciate Citizen Kane for what it was. Mm-hmm. The story <laughs> behind Superman in that, in that movie, uh-huh. even if you look at both one and two together, uh, even if you look at the Richard Donner cut. Even though there were this great tagline, you will believe a, a man can fly, and there were all these huge, awesome technical achievements in that movie to pull it off. I watched that thing, and I was like, man, this is some bad acting. This is some bad cinematography, even this for the time period. Some bullshit storytelling. This is some really bad storytelling. Why? To me, it's it, it is that other thing. Is it's the the amazingness of its success, even though it's a, a weirdly flat movie, right? But again, I I think that's partially what it is. Is is after Superman, people took all those little bits that were awesome about it mm-hmm. and expanded them into, you know, stronger storytelling, better you know, better special effects, right? Um, better continuity between scenes and and stuff like that. And it's like you know, for people who were watching this movie first off the first time that you could really that you really did get to see superman full on fly right do his super cool superman stuff mm-hmm. a, in a believable way without mm-hmm. seeing wires mm-hmm. without him mystically turning into a cartoon when he flew around right um and and that was enough for people it's you know you go back and you watch jurassic park and it's you know at times pretty stupid. Well, yeah, but I think it's those dinosaurs—the first yeah, yeah. time you really saw the CG dinosaurs that actually moved like legitimate animals. Right. It's like holy crap. Right. I think part of part of the failings of Superman are the same problems that I think Matthew might agree. The same problems with the first Star Trek movie. Let's spend all this time with Superman flying around and showing how great the technical achievements are without really telling a story. Just like let's spend. 35 45 minutes of the star trek movie just flying around the spaceship because we can is that a fair assumption matthew i would i would say yes but i think there's also a greater issue going on with that superman movie yeah there was a lot of time spent on we're going to show you what we can do to make superman real to you you will believe a man can fly uh, why he would fall for Margot Kidder, we're not going to be able to give you much assistance with. <laughs> you know, even putting myself in but, 1978 terms, Margot Kidder was not 
a pleasant person to look at. And nothing, you know, that's, nothing that's against a her as a person, thing. but just but just this you know wow attraction. I just don't get. I will I will say this, and I will begin by digressing a bit. At okay. our website, majorspoilers.com, we right. have beloved faithful spoilerites who come to the website and tell us what they believe and say all sorts of things sure. that I support their ability to say. But there is one thread that bothers me every time it comes up, and it comes up every time we mention this, in that an adaptation somehow makes the property better. It somehow makes the property more legitimate or more, quote-unquote, air quotes. I'm on like a four-second delay, guys. Anyway. Rodrigo's got his wah-wah pedal on. (laughs) That somehow this makes the property more real to them. And I think the thing about that Superman movie, and to some degree the Star Trek movie, was they weren't doing that just to show their technical prowess they were doing it to say see superman is okay for grown-ups see star trek is really grown up because look how much work we put into it look how grown up we are and how pretty we're making movies mama and i think that a lot of comic book adaptations suffer from that well this is you know this is a green lantern adaptation and everybody brings their own baggage. If you know what Green Lantern is, you bring your own baggage to that. And in a two-hour movie, they're not going to be able to touch on everything that you may love about Hal Jordan. Right. And in a two-hour movie, they're not going to be able to take the sprawling story of Watchmen or the three years of Scott Pilgrim's life that lead to the battle with Gideon in the Chaos Theater and actually translate that fully onto the screen. So Superman is a difficult case simply because when that movie was done, that movie became baseline Superman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That movie created something new, something that was not a true faithful adaptation of what you saw in comics and supplanted what we saw in comics. One of those being something we talked about a while ago, the fact that Smallville didn't appear in Kansas until this movie. Yeah. That's right. But until 1977, 40 years into the existence of the character. And now you and I and Rodrigo, comic fans, one of us, a self-styled comics historian, could not believe that that development was so recent in, you know, geological terms. So I feel like there's a problem in assuming that an adaptation is naturally a good thing. Stories that can't be told in other like Alan Moore's story of the F sharp bell in Green Lantern Corps. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't make that into a cartoon. It doesn't work. Steve Ditko's question stories are really hard to boil down and turn into a cartoon or a, a live action film. And when they've done it, they've usually done it as part of a greater whole. I think that it's very telling that adaptations that are successful let you fill in blanks yourself. Justice League Unlimited doesn't tell you who Vigilante and Vixen are. It throws them at you. This is how they act. And if you know that the Vigilante is actually Greg and that Greg used to have a sidekick named the Chinatown Kid, and that's why that one joke was funny, it's good for you. And if not, bang, bang, cowboy. Yeah. Super bang, bang, cowboy. Exactly. With an adaptation, you have to be able to strike that balance between too much and not enough. And I feel like a lot of times when an adaptation is done, it actually weakens the source material, notably X-Men, because that movie retold like 15 years of various bits of history. And then the three, you know, the three movie arc is really a distillation of 35 years of X-Men comics to the point where when they were done, that's what X-Men became. And now we have to try and find something new and they've been, you know, relaunching it and re and this time there's vampires and wait, that didn't work. Okay. Well, we're going to give you a team. That's all Wolverine. There's five Wolverines. No, you don't like that. Fine. There's five Wolverines and a hot chick with a gun. I honestly, you know, we, I don't think that X-Men made nearly the same impact on uh, that. The movie X-Men made the same impact on the comic X-Men than Superman did on Superman. I mean, there were people who flat out rejected 
the X-Men movie, whereas Superman, I think that, you know, everybody just yeah. accepted that movie. Yeah, yeah. It, um, was a, it was a huge box office success. I mean, valid. a big, 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 big film. I'd have to go and see uh, box office dollars, but it was a huge movie in 78. It won several technical Oscars mm-hmm. because of what I think it was actually in 77. Uh, the release date here I have is 78. That's what I'm looking at, so that's what I can go off of. Um, you may be right, Matthew. I don't oh. know, but this is what uh, Internet Movie Database tells me. Uh, but I'm just going down oh, and just looking at them. all of these all of these big names in 78 terms. Now, John Ratzenberger was in Superman the movie. He was nobody until the 80s. Right. Um, Larry Hagman <laughs> is in uh, the Superman movie. He was not real. I mean, people knew him from I Dream of Genie, obviously, right. but people really didn't know him until Dallas took off and, and made him that second career for him. Um, but it's just like, here's all this creative talent that delivered something that was technically stunning, but flat as far as the movie telling goes. You know, I mean, look at, I don't know, look at Avatar. Yeah. Was Avatar a No, it a really was. It was a ta- technical great it, it, movie. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a visually stunning movie. They did all kinds of great awesome things. Really they took a lot of the toolkit and flipped mm-hmm. it upside down and mm-hmm. really I think that's where the mm-hmm. the the amazing things happen, but it's Pocahontas all over again. Right. And Dances with Wolves. It's you know, it's not that yeah, impressive not, of a story. Right. Finally uh today before we get out of this show, flip it around the other way. Dynamite Entertainment has been launching uh, uh, Total Recall is going to be their next big movie property that Quake. they're continuing, continually, continuing in comic book form. Uh, there have been a number of, I mean, Planet of the Apes over at Boom Studios and uh, some other properties. I mean, we see Die Hard as a prequel over at Boom Studios. Is there a movie property that should be giving, given a comic book treatment so that we can get a prequel oh, or yeah. a sequel or something like that? Matthew? Oh, yeah. There are tons of them. I would say that if I were looking at just recent movies, things that I've seen, and I wanted to take a property that did not come... Now, for me, I have to look at it as a property that originated in movies. So that automatically knocks out 80% of the things that have been made in the last 10 years. Right. But, you know, if, if you look at things that I think would make an excellent series, I would... And I think we keep coming back to this because it's one of the few superhero movies that isn't created out of something else. I'd like to see Hancock in Monthly Adventures. I'd like to see hmm. where that went. Yeah, you know, I'd like that, to that have exploration a bit more of, of of because the, its mythos is is its own thing, and it, right. it was pretty interesting. Right. I'd like to see that an exploration yeah. of that. I would mm-hmm. definitely agree with that. You know, um, I I don't know what my fascination is. I've mentioned it before with the um, movie Jump or Jumper or whatever Jumper. it was, mm-hmm. that originated as a as a book tale that became a movie. And you can judge whether successfully yep. or unsuccessfully. But I would like to actually see that in a comic book form. It's kind of, I that mean, I know people cool. would say it's very much, um, what's the guy from the X-Men kind Nightcrawler. of feel, Nightcrawler feel. It's what if everyone is Nightcrawler? Yes, what if everyone's Nightcrawler? But I just kind of, there's something about that that I would like the to see. The Legion of Nightcrawler. Do you have one, Rodrigo? Um... I, I don't know. I don't know where push comes from, but I always I thought yeah, that, yeah, that, that was another one's a good that, one. That, that was another one that was a good one. It's like this. This feel like it came from a comic book. Because yeah, and, yeah. and I think it's because everything is so. It, it's clear that even if things aren't super duper well developed, mm-hmm. they gave it some time. They said, "This is all the different kinds of psychics there are, and this is what they do, and this is how right. they function." Right. And now let's write a a, a flimsy going back in time sort of story yeah, to, yeah. To, to I, I would like to it. see that I would like to see that, yeah, as that a that would be a good one um you know uh, but a lot of them they're already doing you know there's a there's their ongoing Doctor Who stories right which are you know mm-hmm. yeah. Matthew have you they, another have they done have they done Big Trouble in Little China no they have not um I thought there was talk at one point of doing a follow up to that and I forget what it was called it was I'll have to look. I'll have to do some research to look it up. But yes, I think at one point there was an attempt, but nothing ever came of that. But holy crap, one of my favorite movies, that would be awesome in a comic book form. Mm-hmm. Especially if you kept it very mystical and you kept it into the time frame. With with the cautionary tale of Bakaru Banzai. Yes, unfortunately, Turn of the Screw and some of those <laughs> other Banzai uh, adaptations. Even though they're written by um, D.W. Richter. I think mm-hmm. that's his name. Richter is his last name. Um, yep. Just didn't have the same <laughs> magic as the movie. 
just well, didn't you have can, the same you can still hold your breath for uh, Buckaroo Bonsai versus the what World, World Crime Crime, World Crime League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Is there another one, Matthew, that you'd like to see? <laughs> there are a lot of things that I think would make interesting comic. But you know what would be interesting? MacGyver. As in the DC book? universe, month to month, Angus MacGyver, yes. <laughs> but you have to do it in the DC universe. Why You DC have universe? to do it in the DC universe. Because it's funnier. So you got Superman flying around and the Martian Manhunter, you know, saving the things. And, and there, in the small, quiet moments, you've got this guy who saves the world using a kettle and some string. I think that's awesome. I, I, I think that would be better as a, as a boom series. IDW would pick that up. I think that Nope. Is. Nope. Got to be in the DCU. You know, they'd almost have to make it, they'd almost have to make it gimmicky. What was that Marine Man where they actually like brought in like uh, real Marine facts about Marine life? You'd almost have to do it in that way because the science of MacGyver, you have that as the closing page of each issue where how did, how would this really work in the real world kind of thing? Rodrigo, you got another? Um, yeah, definitely. There's this like, I, I watched this awesome movie called Astro Boy, and they should really just make a comic <laughs> of that. Um, no, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm. Oh, well, actually, Samurai Jack, but yeah, and and that is a, a TV series right. getting uh, turned to, and and I and think TV that there might be. be right, I, I know that Cartoon Network has put out Cartoon Network comics, and there right. might have been a Samurai Jack story in right. there. But I would love to see something like the 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 caliber of stuff that say gg studios puts out mm-hmm. and apply that to a samurai jack ongoing series oh. because there is just like samurai jack is those three things is that wackiness mm-hmm. the samurai story and the the incredible attention to the art right of samurai jack right. and if you could bring those three things into a comic that would be pretty spectacular, and you wouldn't even have to deal with the disconnect of the fact that Mako has passed on. So you know, yeah, yeah. nobody could really do a coup in in, in this. Uh, you know, they would have to do a, an impersonation of Mako doing a coup, mm-hmm. which would be difficult. Mm-hmm. Tarkovsky, are you listening? That's right. Um, we've mentioned each one of us has mentioned the GG Studio stuff at least once in the last couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen it, it's the uh, the one is is one of their books. Um, the skeleton skeleton detective skeleton yeah. detective one is another one, and then the uh, uh, the rue de, rue de la maison rouge rue de la maison rouge rue de la maison rouge. Flip the flap, the boing fogen. What is it? Je m'appelle Monsieur Berflettet. I mean, these are still uh, in my most recent red pile. They are the top of my the top of that pile because mm-hmm. I've just picked them up and. And read them. And what's the Mediterranean is another is right. the fourth book, I think. In that Isn't series. it Mediterranea? Uh, yeah, that's what it is. Oh, I, I, there's just something about each one of these that is just fantastic. The bad thing is uh, they're not well publicized. In fact, right. for some reason, uh, each of them, I forget whether they're miniseries or what's uh, or they're ongoing, but all of the series, I have missed issue number two of all of them and cannot yeah. find the issue number two anywhere. <laughs> Uh, but issue number three issue number two is always under ordered yeah and that's probably or in my case just passed it in the previews catalog so anything specific about GG that you like well I I think the the reason why people look at GG studios and go I like it to say holy crap (laughs) um, is really two two main things one that each book probably has the amount of work that goes into six books of right. the big two. I mean, right. it's just the quality of it is just so much higher. Um, and the other thing is that they don't have an American aesthetic, right? You know, all of these books right. are foreign books and, and I that would... is intriguing. I'm not necessarily saying that that's better because it's not no, uh, the, this, the aesthetic that, that people of any given country are into isn't, isn't intrinsically, you know, of, of a lower, uh, quality we, but to an american it's like watching anime to an american watching anime you're like you know for the first time you're like holy crap look at how fast those cartoon guys are moving <laughs> i've never seen that before how can they animate something that fast and it's you know it's just the style and you look at something by gg studios and 
it doesn't look like an American comic. Right. There's something about it that is alien enough to be alluring. And I would bet based or on... just has gigantic melons enough to be yeah. alluring. Based on feedback that we've received from some of our international l- listeners about in Europe that there is no big release schedule. They just come out when they come out. I would bet that... Be- because there's not a set mm-hmm. monthly release schedule, that that's why the quality of art in these books is so high. Oh, yeah. Matthew, did you want to add something about Gigi? I, uh, for me, it's all about just the visuals. Mm-hmm. I, and initially, when I saw their, uh, their previews, I'm just like, oh, my God. Because half the time, you'll see that type of art on the cover of an American comic, and then the interiors are done by, like, right. But to right. actually see the interiors have that level of depth and that, you know, that that weird kind of what I look, think of as the heavy metal aesthetic, mm-hmm. where it's all, you know, really heavily done and you've got your, your full color painting stuff. And even things that shouldn't necessarily be lovingly detailed and rendered are. And that's yeah. what makes it so interesting for me. You know, and heavy a lot metal, of those another, books, I honestly another good example. Yeah. yeah, yeah, heavy metal. Another good example of of European uh, artists kind of getting in on that. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody, thank mm-hmm. you so much for uh, tuning in this weekend or whenever you're listening. Hello, future people. Thank you for taking the time. Hello. And if you'd like to share your comments, all you have to do is send us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com, or you can call the Major Spoilers hotline. We love, love, love running uh, comments, messages from people who call in. Matthew, that phone number is... 785-707-1939. The major spoilers, European. Hey, I think our boobies are showing. Hotline. All right, Rodrigo, Matthew, thank you so much for uh, being here this week. On uh, our next show, we will be talking about Animal Man from DC Comics. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at MySpace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Star Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fine be In the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011